there, friends. It's Tuesday, and that means a new episode of Doable Discipleship. That's a Saddleback Church podcast designed to help you deepen your friendship with God, or like we usually say, the show that helps you grow. So my name is Linda Tokar, and I'm joined today by my friend, Brandon Bathauer. Hello. Hey, so good to be on the show again. (laughs) Yeah, it's good to have you here. Friends, if you have been a listener to Doable in the past, then Brandon's voice is familiar and trusted. He's been on a number of times before. So we're just so excited for this conversation. Um, We have been in a series for the last several weeks about the theology of embodiment. And that came from the book Embodied by Dr. Greg Allison. The first episode was actually an interview with him. And this truth of embodiment is the fact that our bodies are not just part of who we are, but he points out that we are our bodies, not that we're only bodies, but that we are soul and we are body. So in the first four episodes, we've explored how the theology of embodiment informs the way we think about our bodies, the way we take care of them, the way we think about suffering, which is ultimately the result of our of the fall on our bodies. And if you've missed any of those episodes, I encourage you to go back and give those a listen. They were great discussions. But now we're turning our focus outward and we're gonna ask the question, how can this theology of embodiment inform how we live as followers of Jesus in the world? How did Jesus live out the truth of embodiment and what can we learn from his example? So that's where we're headed in this episode today. But as we jump in, I just wanna acknowledge that at least for me, this has been a deep dive into territory that I hadn't really thought that much about before. And I bet it's new for a lot of you as well. But as I'm learning, this really isn't a new discussion at all. It's something that the church has wrestled with for literally generations. So Brandon, I know you've got a great seminary background. You've studied this a lot. Talk to me a little bit about how we got to where we are today and why we need to kind of recapture and learn to integrate this truth of embodiment into our Christian practice. Wow. All right. Yes. Let's do a deep dive. This will be so fun. Let's go. Thank you for having me on here. That's, uh, that's super exciting. Yeah. So this, this embodiment thing, I think, I think Linda, you named it super well, right? That, uh, we can even, we can often go through our Christian life and kind of be just doing our thing and kind of fitting into whatever cultural or theological kind of tides that we've been trained up in. And sometimes it's helpful to kind of jump out of the ocean a little bit that we're already swimming mm-hmm. in and kind of look at it and kind of get a sense of how do we get to where we are now? How is this issue of embodiment even a, a topic? Why do we need to talk about this? And so I, I was thinking about um, kind of where this stemmed from. I don't think Jewish people uh, would really need to have this conversation. When you think mm-hmm. about Jewish practice mm-hmm. and, and heritage, at least in the time of Jesus, uh, this this would have been a given that we are right. we are our bodies. That's not the entirety of what we are, but this this mixture of body and spirit, soul. You know what this this would make total sense to somebody right. that was raised up in the story of God um, in the Jewish scriptures. So, like, I mean, take Genesis Genesis one when Adam is made. Um, the, the Hebrew word is Adama, dirt. So right. Adam is raised out of the Adama. So the Hebrew word is just dirt. So we are dust creatures. Right. But then we also have the Ruach in us, the breath of God breathed mm-hmm. into our lungs. So we are dirt and we are divine breath and we are both of them at once. And right. for 
a Jewish thinker, the people Jesus was mostly speaking to, this would make absolute sense. Of course, mm -hmm. of course, we are both of these things at once. And then you think about uh, Jewish practices, the ways that that the people of God, uh, the people of Israel, would have practiced these celebrations, right? Like the the Passover. How do you celebrate Passover? Well, you remember what happened there in in Exodus, um, yeah. as the people are freed from from slavery in Egypt. They remember that by having lamb and eating it together right. and sitting around a table. How do you remember? the Sabbath and how God rested Well, you practice Shabbat. And so you eat together around a table and these are physically rest, right? I was walking the other day and um, it was the feast of tabernacles and still mm -hmm. today, Jewish people during the feast of tabernacles, which kind of remembers the time that the people were out in the desert um, after they'd uh, been freed from, from slavery in Egypt. And they still, you, you build a little tabernacle that you go right. and be in and you pray in. And it's kind of this embodied way of remembering. Mm -hmm. the, the problem, I think the reason that many of us are um, maybe new to this conversation and it feels like, what, how is this even a thing? Is a dude <laughs> named Plato, not the stuff you play with as, you know, that my friend right. plays with, <laughs> this Greek concept that as that Jewish history in Christ began to spread throughout the world, us in our Western ways of thinking um, are so influenced by Plato. And look, mm -hmm. I like the dude a lot. I, I really enjoy stuff. It's good, good stuff. Um, but he is so over-influenced, I think, um, our, our understanding of ourselves. And so now mm -hmm. when we have, we have this duality now, this spirit versus body, Right. And for the Jewish, it's spirit and body, of course, you know, but for the, the Greek concept, it's spirit versus body. Right. And, um, and that, that voice of Plato, that ghost mm -hmm. of Plato that has just floated with us <laughs> for the last 2000 years of Christian history keeps showing up over mm -hmm. and over again. Um, you know, the early in the early church, how did we practice, uh, kind of the remembrance of Jesus' sacrifice. Well, you do it through communion. It's not right. like we all just sit around and think about it. No, we have <laughs> bread in our hands. We have ju juice in, in, our, in our hands that we enjoy and we eat. And again, it's this embodied remembrance of what Jesus did. Same thing with baptism. Jesus right. gave us this beautiful image, right, of going under the waters. It's not like we just sit around and conceptualize new life <laughs> no like we we get actually put in the water and come out right. fresh and so early on in the in the christian tradition this was a lot of kind of what what we experienced is these embodied ways some people would use the word liturgies these embodied mm -hmm. liturgies mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um and then i think what happened is kind of in the around the Protestant Reformation, a little bit before and a little bit after, that voice of Plato started to come out again. And we started to separate, mm -hmm. hey, we want to care for our soul. Right. So say this prayer, do this thing, and your soul will be handled. Your body, who, who really cares? It's just going to burn up anyways. It doesn't matter, right? And, <laughs> right. And again, we actually start reflecting more of Plato than we do of Jesus. And... Um, 
we start handing away those ordinances. And for in many places, the church stops doing baptism and stops mm. doing communion. And um, these embodied practices start to disappear. And uh, in a lot of church practice, it became just a kind of cognitive intellectual thing. Let me show mm-hmm. up. Let me hear good words. Let me think about truth. And that will feed my soul. And uh, man, I think we're all looking around thinking, seems like God made this entire world with all of its physicality. I think God would yeah. care about this. You yeah, know? Exactly. Yeah. So I think that's kind yeah. of why we are where we are right now. Kind of a brief little history of that. Yeah, no, I appreciate that because it, it really is, um, you know, I mean, I grew up in the church and I know that for me, it was always, if I learn the right things and I think the right things, my heart will be aligned the right way. And that's spirituality and that's growing spiritually and doing the spiritual things. And it never occurred to me that there was this whole other part of it, caring for and, and the embodied practices, the things that are also part of worship and part of discipleship and part of growing in my relationship with God. So this has been just such an incredible series for me personally in my own kind of faith journey. But as we think about now how this theology of embodiment can impact the way we live as disciples, the way we live out in the world as we're loving and serving other people, what does it mean to live out this theology of embodiment, not just in for ourselves, but in the way that we interact with other people. And one of the ways that it's been talked about is the phrase whole person care. Mm. And really that when I started doing research for this episode, whole person care, typically you find it on websites for medical offices, right? Because they're so used Uh, to caring for the body. Mm -hmm. And then they're like, wait, 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 we have to remember that people are also emotions and their thoughts. And, you know, there's, And so now we're coming at it from the other way. We've been so focused on the mind and thinking about the mind and the heart. Now it's like, wait a minute, we need to do whole person care too. We need to care for the whole person. And in our ministry, we need to think about how do we love people and serve people as whole people. So I want to think a little bit, I want to talk a little bit about what whole person care looks like when it comes to ministry. And I think in a lot of ways for us, it's going to look like the example that Jesus set, right? I mean, he did, he did teaching and he did minister to the mind and the heart and, and taught people the right things, but he also cared for bodies. Almost all of his ministries were related to people, you know, or miracles, excuse me, were related to people's bodies. He was healing. He was feeding. He was giving sight. He was helping them walk. I mean, those are all super physical things. So talk to me a little bit. We've talked before about the passage when Jesus is launching his public ministry. Talk to me a little bit about how Jesus sort of lived out this theology of embodiment and kind of what, how, what we can take from his example. Yeah, I find it so interesting, right? To, to go back to Jesus, there's mm-hmm. something beautiful that happens there. Because like we were saying, when you're just in the water and when you're just in this ocean and you're just in kind of the cultural tides, it's very easy to just be in it and not even realize you are just yeah. in that water. And what I find is that when you go back to Jesus and you look at the gospels, it's really eye-opening sometimes to realize, mm-hmm. wait, he's not emphasizing what we are emphasizing. Right. <laughs> and he doesn't really talk about the things that we're always wanting to talk about. And in fact, he's talking about something else entirely most of the right. time. Yeah. Um, 
those are always nice eye-opening moments. And I think caring for the body is one of those. Mm-hmm. It's funny you talk about uh, in the healthcare world that that's where whole person care shows up the most. For the longest time, most hospitals were started by Christians, by followers yeah. of Jesus who thought, again, before we'd gotten to the place we are now where Christianity is about your soul and your soul only, your individual soul um, getting saved, people were saying, my job is to reflect Jesus. And so what I need to do is care for the physical pain and needs of others. And that's why hospitals were created. And I think we need to reclaim that reality of of who we are as Christians. Um, But it's interesting how kind of theology often um, sometimes gets in the way of that. So um, (laughs) I would say incorrect theology or Mm -hmm. theology. So going back to Jesus, absolutely. Like if we just hold on to this, Christianity is only about my soul being saved, my individual soul being saved. That's kind of the reality. That's the whole gospel. Think about what Jesus would have been doing. He would have been a preacher. Sure. He would have talked about how um, we have sin in our heart. And then he would have talked about how to have that sin forgiven. Mm -hmm. And that would have been the entirety of his ministry. Um, he could have just recorded everything and just handed it <laughs> off to people. Um, right. Little cassette tapes. And uh, that would have been everything, right? But he did something very, very different, didn't he? Uh, this mm-hmm. is um, Luke 4, the start of his, of his ministry. I keep going back to this passage because this is kind of his thesis statement in the book of Luke. Right. He's standing up in the synagogue of his hometown his very first sermon, he pulls out the uh, prophet Isaiah, Isaiah 61, which was kind of the John 3.16 for the Jewish people at the time. This was the picture of the one who was going to come and make all things right. Listen to how many of these things are embodied realities. Listen to this. Jesus finds a place where it was written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. He sent me to preach good news to the poor to proclaim release to the prisoners, recovery of sight to the blind, to liberate the oppressed, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And what's crazy is right after that, what he ends up doing is all of those things. Where he finds people who are blind, he gives them sight. Where he finds people, uh, there's that other passage, right, where he says, give water to the thirsty. When you have given water to the thirsty, you've done that for me. Give food right. to the hungry. When you've done that, you've done that for me. Right. Uh, give clothing to the naked. And this is what he does, right? Most of his miracles, there are the ones of casting evil out of people. Right. Um, there are the places where he is teaching. But one major part of his miracles are helping people walk, helping people see, giving people food, giving people water, Um These are Mm -hmm. physical realities that he is bringing. He's saving them, not just their soul, but he's restoring their bodies. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think that, I think it's easy to kind of overlook that almost, even though we've all read those stories, if you've read the New Testament, we've read that. It's almost like, well, he did that so he could share the gospel, so he could trans, but truly that was as much a part of his ministry as 
preaching the good news and, and, you know, of sharing the kingdom and all of those things. It was, it was a both and it wasn't a one to get to the other. They, they were both important. Right. And, you know, Otherwise you would, Jesus would every time he would do that, right. He would heal them and then say, okay, now I want to tell you about right. how you can accept me into your heart. But he right, didn't right. Really do that. Sometimes he simply healed and he walked away. That was yep. the entirety of what it was. Yeah. And that left them. I mean, that was, that was their interaction with Jesus. It wasn't like a long drawn out three point sermon. It was, they got healed mm-hmm. <laughs> right. and, be, and they were changed. And when you and I were talking about this, um, getting ready for this episode, I loved what you talked about in terms of the significance of this, as it pointing to some deeper spiritual realities that we don't always connect with the body. And I, I just, I was fascinated by this. And so I'd love to kind of bring out that conversation because it was just such an aha for me, as you talked about what really the eternal significance of whole person yeah. care really is. Talk to me a little bit about that. All right. All right, everyone, let's put on our scuba gear. We're going we're to do good. a deep dive. All right, here <laughs> we go. So part of the question is why? Why would Jesus spend his time healing? Why would he spend his time doing that if the major problem is sin and sin being bad stuff I did in my soul that needs to be erased. Why would Jesus spend so much time healing, Mm -hmm. uh, feeding, caring for, tending to the physical Mm -hmm. needs of people? Well, going back to um, Mark 1, what Jesus's focus was, was Repent and believe the good news. The kingdom of God has come near. The kingdom of God is is coming. And so the kingdom, this is the place, the anywhere that God is in, in charge, wherever God is king, that is God's mm-hmm. kingdom. And so what Jesus's whole ministry is about is showing us, here's what it looks like. Here's what the world looks like when God is in charge. Right now, we know that sin has corruptive um, realities in our soul, in our thinking, in our emotions. But then we know from the fall in Genesis 3 that that sin has very physical realities. It shows up mm-hmm. in physical realities. What do, what do Adam and Eve do with the sin that is in their, in their core, in their soul, in their heart? Well, it makes them cover themselves physically, right? So there's this, right. there's this beautiful but also difficult reality of how our souls and our bodies are, are deeply connected. So when Jesus is coming and he's healing, what he's doing is he's showing glimpses of what things look like when they are right. Mm -hmm. So again, if we think about what is the end goal, the, the story that I think is the incomplete gospel of it's all just about your soul. It's just this soul part of you. And someday your soul will float off to heaven. And that is the end of the story. Um, That is not the end of the story. Right. That's part of the story. That's not the end of the story. Um, Reading Revelation 21, particularly, what what is the end of the story? The end of the story is the Garden of Eden being restored. The Garden of Eden being restored, right? That you have God and humanity united in a new heavens and new earth that are fully restored and fully redeemed. Mm-hmm. And this is a mm-hmm. physical reality, right. maybe not physical the way we know. Paul talks about the, 
the corruptible being clothed by the incorruptible in right. uh, Corinthians uh, 15. But what we have here is the end picture. So again, if the end picture is souls floating off to heaven, the world just burns away and everything physical is bad. <laughs> right, right, right. And that's often the story we tell, right? Then, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. then all Jesus needed to do was get your soul saved, let it get away from this burning place and just float off to heaven and save, save your soul. But instead, what Jesus spends his time doing is he says, okay, here's what a soul looks like fully alive. Here's what a body looks like fully alive. Yeah. Here, here are little glimpses of what the true restoration will look like in the end. Yeah. And, and then he, he completes that work um, in his resurrected body. Right. Again, right. if the story is our souls float off to heaven and that's the end of the story, Jesus wouldn't need to come back. He would just die. His body would stay in the right. tomb and his soul would float off to heaven. Boom. Got it. But yeah, but his bodily, resu- his bodily resurrection was a really important part of the story. You know, when, when um, Jesus encounters his disciples, you know, and they're freaked out and he's like, hey, a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. But you're, you know, I am physically yes. here. Yes. That was an important part of the story when Paul outlines in, um, I think it's 1 Corinthians 15, when he says, right. for what I received, I passed on as a first importance. Christ died for our sins. He was buried and he was raised again. I mean, the physical resurrection, the restoration of his body was part of the, I mean, that was as important in the, in the story, in God's story, as the other parts of that, as, as the death and, and all of that is the resurrection and, right. and the physical restoration. Because it's this picture, right? It is the right. picture of what things are going to be. He's the first fruits, as, as Paul talks yes. about often. He's the first fruits. He's the picture of what things are meant to be when all things are mm-hmm. made right. And so when we separate bodily health, um, body care, from soul care and soul health, we are mm-hmm. painting an incomplete picture of the full restoration God wants to bring. And yeah. so this is why, I think this is why it is so essential for us to hold on to this. This again is not just this theological stuff way out there. What this does, if you really wrestle with this truth, is that you realize, wow, I am meant to care for my neighbor in their entirety. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which unfortunately, I think you have some Christians who go, well, the only thing I'm supposed to do is tell them to get their soul saved. Right. And is not what Jesus did. <laughs> um, now that's part of what Jesus did, right? I'm not saying sure. we shouldn't talk about people's souls being saved. Absolutely. But you have some Christians that would say, okay, that's all I'm going to do. Um, I don't care if they're in need. And then you, I think you have a great deal of Christians who say, I'm going to care for physical needs of people. I don't know why, but I feel like mm. I should because I'm yeah. what Jesus did. But when you start to understand what I'm getting to do when somebody is thirsty and I give them some water, when mm. somebody needs groceries and I give them a bag of food, what I'm doing is I'm representing, I'm giving a little glimpse of what it looks like when God is in control. Mm-hmm. When oh, that's really good. our souls are filled, but so are our stomachs. And mm-hmm. the body is left without hunger and thirst and disease. 
um, just like it's left without sin and isolation and brokenness. Like we get to show little glimpses of what that mm-hmm. looks like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It strikes me, um, you know, as we talk about sharing the gospel is the, and this, the good news is not just like you're saying the salvation of the soul, but the restoration of all things. And, you know, one of the things that we talk about a lot is that, you know, earth's not perfect because we're longing for heaven. That's where it will be perfect, where everything will be restored. And as you were talking, I was thinking about Romans eight, which is probably if I had to pick one of my favorite chapters in the whole Bible, it would probably be Romans eight, but it talks about sort of the physicality of where we are and what we're longing for in 822 it says we know that the whole creation has been been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time not only so but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship the redemption of our bodies yes so there's this twofold sort of like we're looking for you know we talk about glorification you know when we're finally with god and and no longer even susceptible to sin like that's going to be awesome but there's also this physical component to what that what we are looking forward to and when we when we engage in whole person care when we care for not just the the spiritual but the physical needs of people we're modeling and we're we're showing glimpses of like you say what it looks like when god is in control but also what we where our hope is our hope is in God who says that he's going to restore all those things and that there will one day as Revelation says, there will be no more tears. There will be no more pain. You know, when, so when pain is relieved a little bit, it's a glimpse, but there will be a time when it will be relieved completely. You know, does that make sense? Yes, like, it's, absolutely. It's, yeah. Yeah. So it's just, it's giving those glimpses into eternity. And I just, I love, you use the phrase going about good newsing, like the idea of <laughs> like yeah. how do we how do we do that day to day like how do we go about good newsing the total story sharing god's good news you know just in our daily lives as followers of jesus how can we do that better yes yeah that's so good because when you think about the word good news in my mind i think about telling somebody you have sin your soul is corrupted mm-hmm except the crucifixion of Jesus uh, so that your soul can go to heaven is usually when I think about what it means, uh, the good news. And again, that's not wrong. Right. That is, I would say incomplete. (laughs) That's incomplete. Mm -hmm. That's not the entirety of it because the good news um, is the making right of all things. The work Jesus is doing to make all things right. That heaven and earth will be united again one day. And we pray this in the Lord's prayer, right? Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The, the prayer that we constantly should be carrying is that we see glimpses of heaven's reality here. Mm-hmm. And so, so that's the, what the good news is. Because of Jesus' crucifixion, I would say his life and teachings, his crucifixion, his resurrection, his ascension, uh, these, this, this is the good news. And so how do we go about good newsing? And this has been a really eye-opening thing for me. We ought not take the heat off of telling people actually about Jesus, right? We can sometimes right. go, 
well, you know, as long as I was nice to people, then yeah. man, that might as well be proclaiming the gospel, right? And it's Not like, <laughs> hey, keep your feet to the fire a little bit on that one. Like, be bold. Talk actually about Jesus and share with people the way Jesus did. He taught about, um, about his mission. On, this, on, the same, on the same coin, though, we can look and say, look, giving water to the thirsty, giving a bag of groceries to the hungry, helping yeah. the physically wounded. Um, when we do this, giving a house to the homeless, when, when we do this, the good newsing part, the going about proclaiming the good news is happening in that entire process. We're not yeah, only yeah. good newsing the moment we say, okay, now that we've given you all this stuff, now I got to give you this little pitch. Um, good newsing is that entire process of telling them mm-hmm. about truth and pointing out to them where life comes from and why, why we're doing all of this. But it's actually doing the thing as well. This is all good newsing. And, th- and that really kind of opened my mind in a lot of ways that um, I, I realize I am working with Jesus mm. in all of those aspects. For sure. For sure. You know, it was interesting. So, I mean, Saddleback, like all the other churches, you know, we spend a lot of time not able to be in person, not able to do the things that usually look like doing church, right? (laughs) All of those things didn't get to happen for a long time. But one of the things that I know we were able to do through our grocery distributions is we fed thousands and thousands of people. We were doing these grocery distributions and I'm going to tell you the number of people that came to Jesus through grocery distributions. It's in the thousands. It's, and I mean, mostly what they were doing is they were showing up and receiving food. That's what just meeting that need. And then at the very end, there was just like, Hey, you know what? This is who we are. If you have any questions, let us know. And, And people were just like, if this is what it is to follow Jesus, this kind of love, this kind of care, I mean, they were just, and it was like, they were so ready just by having been, having gotten a glimpse of that love and that care and that compassion, because we were in the community and continue to be in the communities around Southern California weekly. I mean, there were people that literally came weekly and they maybe didn't accept Christ the first time, but we kept coming back and kept coming back. And pretty soon they're like, what is going on? Mm-hmm. Why? And that gave, that opened the door for them to understand something about God's love and God's provision, what it looks like, as you said before, when God is in control. And there's so many ways that we can do that, that we can engage in sort of just the physical, meeting people's physical needs, caring for people who are sick, caring for people who are in need. and that is part of living out the gospel. Yes, that's, just... that's a big picture of the gospel. And I think the numbers, the amount of people that said yes to stepping into life with Christ during, during COVID because of these grocery distributions, I think is a beautiful picture, first and foremost, to the, to the volunteers that were there. Oh, right. The For sure. In the midst of all the fear and when everyone else was running. Um, everyone else was isolating and in their homes and protecting their families. The fact that there were so many Jesus followers at Saddleback and, and in other churches, All over the place. You know, we're going to be on the front lines to, to serve those who are in need. 
it was such mm-hmm. a beautiful picture of kind of what the church did during the black plague and yep. um, hey, we're going to step into the places of of unknown and even at the places of risk to care for mm-hmm. others and what that says what that says to the people that are driving up and could use that extra set of groceries um is hey jesus cares about all of you yeah. and there's a power to that and there's such simple ways to do this i mean i don't know if we're jumping to doables but um yeah okay do it great go for it there's such simple ways like for example today um i've got a neighbor and it's it's her birthday and um first off it was knowing that it's her birthday second okay. thing is think about it you could send a text think about the difference between a text which is this kind of disembodied thing that says hey i'm i'm trying to tell you something nice versus my little boy wrote a little card for her and uh mm. we baked some cookies and it's in that little mm. envelope that we're leaving at her door what does that say? That just says something different. A bag of cookies yeah, absolutely. is so much more than a text. Why? Because mm-hmm. we are physical beings. And as much as yeah. we try to disembody these things and separate these things, what we are doing is I think we are showing an incomplete picture. We're, we're showing just a tiny little bit of the broadness of God's love when it's mm. disembodied. When we can embody that love in some way, just like the way that somebody, when they just can grab your arm and show you so much love in that moment. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that physical touch. Yes. It just does something powerful to show just a bit more of God's mm. immense love for us. Um, so, I mean, that's, that's one F- figure out a way to just move it beyond the text or the social media post, this kind of disembodied mm-hmm. thing and think, how can I show love to my neighbor in an right. actual physical way? Yeah. I remember when my kids were little, um, I tried to talk to them about just, you know, random acts of kindness. Like who can you be kind to? Who can you serve? Who could you open a door for, you know, I mean, simple, simple things showing honor in, in all kinds of different ways, but it was always, um, you know, what can you do physically for you know, can you help them take their trash cans in at the end of the day? Can you, you know, whatever those little things were, but those acts of service, those physical actions that say, hey, you matter to me. And that opens the conversation. Why do I matter to you? Because you matter to God, mm-hmm. you know, all of and you that, matters to God. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Not just, I'm not just going to preach to you and then watch you <laughs> struggle to get your trash can in. I'm going to try to serve you and help you but I'm also going to allow you to, you know, I'm, I'm going to talk to you then about why, why I am this way, what I'm, how, why I'm operating the way I'm operating, which is because God loves all of you. And I want you to know about that. Yeah. And so, and, and I think realize... I love that you got your son involved in it. Yeah. Well, he kind of got himself involved. Let's be honest. Um, well, yeah. He is he is the lightning rod for all of our neighbors. Uh, he just brings them all together. It's amazing. But yeah, for for me, when I'm doing these things, it's one thing to feel like here's this little thing I'm gonna do. But when I'm realizing, okay, I'm bringing in somebody else's trash cans. You know, my my dad does this for for his neighbor. He has for the last I would say decade just every single week bringing in the trash cans for a neighbor and uh, to realize when you're doing that, you're not just doing something nice. 
you are actually, this is maybe an overstatement, but it's pretty amazing. You are involved in the cosmic work of God, of uniting mm-hmm. heaven and earth and redeeming and restoring it. Isn't that amazing? That like, That's when you crazy. do this amazing little act, like you are involved in this cosmic work that God is doing and will eventually complete of uniting heaven and earth and redeeming and restoring it and giving a glimpse of what it's meant to be. And uh, yeah. Well, for so sure. that couple- yeah. I was just thinking that, but I think that that's was Jesus intent when he told the story of, you know, people are going to come to me and say, Oh, I knew you. And he's going to be like, when did you, you know, I'm not sure I knew you, you know, because I was hungry and you didn't give me something to eat. I was thirsty and you didn't come and, you know, and he basically points to those physical things as the thing, (laughs) the thing that would have shown that we knew him. You know, it, it wasn't all of the, you know, it wasn't, you knew all of these theological truths and you were able to articulate them clearly. It was, you did something simple to your point about taking in the trash can, giving a cup of water is not difficult. Mm-hmm. feeding somebody you know sharing your food is not difficult it's not complicated it doesn't seem overly spiritual but that's the gospel that's the that's where that happens that so and i think that that's why jesus picked the examples he did because yep. it's like you could sit there and go yeah but jesus those are such like mundane normal boring things like mm-hmm. i did really spiritual things and he's like eh, <laughs> you missed it <laughs> right Exactly. I sat in silence and solitude for the next for the last three hours. And he's like, yeah. And how did it change you to go actually love your neighbor? Right. Yep. Right. (laughs) Well, this has been a super fun conversation. And friends, as you listen, I just hope that you um, that your imagination is sparked to be able to think about ways that you can care for for the whole people that you come across, that you can care And not just share the gospel in word, but share it in the way that you love and serve other people. So friends, we're going to wrap it up. We will see you next time. We love you. Have a great week. Bye-bye. If you enjoyed this episode, consider giving us a rating or review on iTunes. If you do, you'll help other people find us in the future. You can also listen to these episodes on YouTube. Just subscribe to the Saddleback Church YouTube channel for these conversations, plus lots of other video content. And if you are already listening to us on YouTube, subscribe to the Doable Discipleship Podcast on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcasting app so you can listen in the car or wherever else you go. Don't forget to visit saddleback.com slash doable to check out all of our previous episodes. And go to saddleback.com slash grow to find spiritual growth resources and view a calendar of upcoming events. Lastly, you can always get in touch with us by emailing maturity at saddleback.com. Send us your thoughts, send us your questions, your Bible questions, your life questions, whatever. Who knows? Your question might just inspire an upcoming episode. Thanks again for tuning in to Doable Discipleship. I'm Jason Whelan, and I hope you'll join us again next week.